Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yep, happy uh, MLK. January 16th, 2017. We're deep. We're, we're deep into the month. We're Well, we're halfway through the month. That's deep. How's that? No, it's not. Yeah, it deep is. Deep is like... You're three quarters of nah, the way through the month. I think once halfway, you're... Seven you're, eighths through the month. No, no, that's the end. Then you're at the end. You're no longer deep at the end. You're, step, well, you're deep in? Yeah. Deep, the deep end. The deep end. Like, you can't you can't just say you're you're halfway in and that's deep. Mm-hmm. But you got to go... Once you're in there longer... Yeah, got it. All right. I, it. I'm not going to argue with you about thank it. Thank you. So, thank you. Halfway is not deep. Kind of deep. How no, you doing? Okay, we're halfway through the month. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm enjoying a nice uh, Diet Coke and a foam cup from McDonald's. Uh, that is the go-to drink of staff. Of staff, I was about to say. Yeah. See, when we go to McDonald's, we don't just order a Diet Coke. First of all, why do we get the Diet Coke? So hold on, let me Wait. just say one thing. All right. For all the times you've made fun of me mm-hmm. for an Americano double cup with a sleeve, right. we found your double cup with a sleeve. This is not the double cup. Oh, and I'll, I'll explain the difference. No, There's a total is. difference. No, it is not. This is your all double right, cup. Here's what I do. Uh, and I've, be, I've started a trend. It. I started a trend here at Redeemer. I will, and say I think that's I true. kicked off the national trend of people doing this. Um, I don't know about that. When I go but to, you Ma- are very that's, humble. That, that's that's pretty true. Um, when I go to McDonald's, mm-hmm. I get a diet coke. Now, that's first right. of all, first, why do we go to McDonald's for our diet cokes? Uh, the fountain drink or the fountain diet coke at McDonald's is great. Yeah, their fountain coke diet coke, and the reason it's great is because their water is purified. It's basically the, the Dasani water. Uh, the syrup is really fresh because they mm. move so much product, and they keep it super cold. So um, that's why we go there. It tastes better. That's why it tastes better. Okay. But when I order a diet coke, I go up and I say, I would like a large diet coke in a foam cup. Mm-hmm. I ask for a foam cup. Now, there's a practical reason for the foam cup. It doesn't matter. It's a practical reason for my no, double cup with say, the sleeve. All you say is, I like how it feels. You don't need the sleeve if you have the double no, cup. No, I like how it feels. My hand, I have baby hands. No, no, no. So, I have soft hands. I foam, lotion reason, my hands. The reason you go... The reason you go... What? Don't make fun of me. I like to put <laughs> coconut oil. I like to massage right. and get it in there. Look, right. feel, feel it. Just feel it. I do it. not want to no, touch your that, big, just right sweaty hands. Just feel you it. Just, we're working out. I don't want to okay, touch it. But I washed up. Feel it. So the foam cup is because... Doesn't that feel good? I'm not touching that. You touching it. If there was video. The foam cup is because it keeps the drink colder longer. So it doesn't, uh-huh. the ice doesn't melt mm. and it doesn't sweat. And, and the double cup with the sleeve keeps my hands nice and even, it keeps it Even the baristas at our local coffee roaster say that that's nonsense. They all care. make fun of you. I don't Double care. cup is fine. Whatever. Cup with the sleeve is fine. Nope. Double cup with the sleeve is a redundancy. No, it's a. I'm a prima donna. I like the things the way I like it. And you're the same way, though. You're, it's not a prima donna. I just, it's, no, it's, it's the better. exact same way. It's, for me, it tastes better. And hold on. You sit there. Mm-hmm. And you, hold on. You forgot to mention yeah. what you do at the end every single time. What do I do? You, Joe will get the straw. He'll put it in his drink. And he's locking eyes. With, <laughs> he's I locking eyes with the drive-through attendant, and he locks eyes, and he takes a sip of his drink just yeah. to make sure it's not Coke Zero. I got to take a pull because sometimes he try to give me the Coke Zero, and I go, "No, no, no, that's Coke Zero. I know the difference." Trying to pass off that Coke and so Zero. So it's like this awkward moment where Joe's locking eyes. They don't know what's going on. They're like, "Why yeah. is he not moving?" Yeah. And Joe just stares deep into their eyes, and saying. I go, I will know if you've lied to me. And then I'll say, you did good, son. And then I'm out. And then we're out. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're going to finally get to the most requested topic we've had. There's been a few individuals that have... Is this the uh, most requested topic? This is one of the most requested topics we've had. One Uh, of or the? You said it was the most. It's up there. Okay. So when we started, so you're backtracking now a little bit. Back I'm backtracking. Okay. It, when we uh, when we first back. started, we people kept asking about it, and then there was one person in particular. Who's that? Jay Wise. Oh, Jay. Jay. He Pest. was hounding me. Squeaky wheel. He hounded me. It was almost like every week, every couple weeks, every three weeks, he would just be like, "Hey, man, uh, baptism episode." Baptism. Baptism. So we're gonna baptism. do it. We're gonna talk about baptism. So we're gonna finally do it. We're finally getting to it. And uh, here's the thing, guys. Uh, baptism is to be done by immersion as a uh, professing believer. Peace Thank, out. Yeah, uh, big thanks, big to, thanks to Justin Bond Media, uh, the audiovisual wizard of Doctrine and Devotion. If you've got any audiovisual or photography needs, you can hit up jbondmedia.com. There you can contact him. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Doc and Devo, Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. 
you can head on over to our website, DoctrineDevotion.com. Click on the Contact Us page, fill out the form, and send us your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Uh, you can tell a friend. Sharing is caring. Leave us an honest five-star review. Fresh pod every Monday and Thursday. Later. So when we're talking about baptism, Jim, yeah. what are, um, you know, the, when, when, you, when you read uh, Presbyterians and Baptists, when they talk about what baptism is, they sound very, very similar. Um, it's, there's, there's not a lot of disagreement about what it is. Yeah. Um, how, how, do, how is it explained in the, in the uh, 1689 Second London Confession? Yeah, uh, chapter 29, paragraph 1 says this. Baptism is an ordinance of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ to be unto the party baptized a sign of his fellowship with him in his death and resurrection, of his being engrafted into him, of remission of sins, and of giving up into God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. Great, right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So this is this is um, a a depiction, right, of yeah. our union with Jesus, and it, it the way that it explains it, right, that it is uh, it's a sign of our fellowship, yeah, with Jesus um, in this union in which uh, you know we die and rise again. It's also a sign of our remission of sins and cleansing. Um, this is this is a picture of the gospel, right? Yeah. Fundamentally. Yeah, this picture of uh, dying with Christ as one's going into the water and being raised up with Christ in the newness of life. Well, that's if you're a Baptist. That is if you're a Baptist. <laughs> okay, so, oh, my bad, guys. But remember, we're from a Reformed Baptist perspective. I was actually just oh. looking here because the, well, we'll just keep going. The um, it uses the word ordinance, right? Baptism is an ordinance. Oh, that's where I was going to go. I didn't know if we were going to say something else. Why not? I was just, well, because I was just thinking as I was reading this, right? Because you know we had looked earlier at the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith in chapter twenty-eight of mm-hmm. baptism. Uh, it calls it baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ, right? Know, where and we're, we're we're saying ordinance, ordinance. Now, so clearly the Baptists favor. Um, a, this word ordinance over sacrament. When they're pulling from the Westminster and the Savoy to come up with the 1689, they they change the word. So is there is there a, like a is, I mean, is there really a fundamental difference between the two, between what you would call a sacrament or an ordinance, or is it more just I guess is there a deeper meaning behind? Yeah, well, because I mean, when you say something is a sacrament, I feel like you're you're, what's implying is something sacred. Right. Well, there's that, and it, it comes from this Latin word that means mystery. Um, so it, it, there is a mysterious thing happening mm-hmm. in the ordinances where Christ is present with his people. Um, but what I would say is that they, they have different emphases or slightly different meanings, but I, I think that they are largely interchangeable. Yeah. Because um, I know we've kind of said we, yeah, we say both we ways. say both ways yeah uh, and I, I I tend to say ordinance more often I guess these days but um, but even uh, Benjamin Keach um, uses the word sacrament in mm. some of his writings so it, I I don't think it's it's as big of a deal as some Baptists want to make it out to be yeah but yes we we, we tend to favor the term ordinance uh, a rite a ritual a sacred tradition given to Jesus Christ to the church. Right, that's really what it is. Yeah, yeah. And it, this this um, ordinance is a a sign of our salvation, essentially. Right, that's all of those descriptions there in paragraph one. It's a it's sign a, of yeah. our salvation. Yeah, it's an outward sign of that inward commitment. Right, it's or a that profession it, of that faith. It's 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 an outward sign. Maybe maybe more accurately, according to this, it's 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 not the outward sign of an inward commitment, but the outward sign of an inward work. No, oh, that's right? good. Yeah, Where, right. Because it is our fellowship with him in his death and resurrection. We are engrafted mm-hmm. to him, remission of sins, and of giving up to God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. So there's that commitment part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it depicts this new life that God has given us as we emerge out of the baptism waters. But, you know, there's a today, as important as, as we believe baptism to be, mm-hmm. a lot of Christians don't seem to think baptism is very important, right? Yeah, I mean, like, and I, 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 not in Presbyterian to, churches not, and not, not in Presbyterian, Reformed Baptist Reformed, churches. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to understand why someone would, would they think of it as this old traditional kind of 
sign of Christianity or uh, this old traditional, like it's just this the trappings of religiosity. Is that is that why? Like I'm, I'm trying I to some understand why. I'm not trying to be critical of them. Well, I will be when I find out why. But I just want to know why first before I become critical. Well, it depends on the person, right? Some people probably uh, just have a. Some people just don't understand it. Okay, so we just uneducated, right? They're uneducated. Ignorant would be the word. Well, no, I'm trying to think of a way. Now, ignorant is the word. But no, but then I they would are, also say that the church, ignorant. the church that they're a part of has failed them in teaching and giving a proper understanding of what baptism yes. is. So, yeah. so when I say they're uneducated, I blame others when for When you say that. they're ignorant. Why are you afraid to use the word ignorant? Because I'm not saying they're ignorant. Ignorant means that they lack knowledge, that they don't know. Yeah, but I feel like ignorance is what I call you when I say dummy. No, no, ignorant doesn't mean dummy. But they're dummy. not a dummy. Ignorant doesn't mean dummy. I know, but I'm saying, yeah, you are. No, ignorant doesn't mean dummy. Oh, whatever, dummy. Go. I'm just trying, you're so sottish. But yeah. what about... <laughs> so the, why, why I... Here's what I hear the most often. As a pastor, right. most of the time, what I hear from people is they're coming from non-denominational uh, backgrounds okay. um, or not very church backgrounds. They have um, they view baptism as—and well. And here's the thing. Non-denominational background or not churched, and they know this, that salvation does not depend on what we do. It is not sacrament or ordinance dependent mm-hmm. that we are saved by grace alone— through faith alone in Christ yes. alone, so they get that, and, and we and we affirm that. Of course, like, we're we not affirm, saying that baptism is is that right, right. So they they kind of take that and run, which is the danger when you begin to grasp theology is you get a little bit of it and you start running with it, and mm. if you're not careful, you're going to trip over it because yeah. you really don't have a, a good grasp on the whole. You've got this, so we're not saying that um, you must be baptized in order to be saved, but we are saying. You must be baptized as a believer, aren't we? Yeah, because I think we're saying, well, one, it's just it's obedience. It's a sign of a of your commitment to Christ. It's a sign of your obedience to what has been commanded and modeled for us. I mean, Jesus commands us to pray. Yeah, we we do that. All right, we don't feel like that's optional. No, no. What about worship, Jesus? Nope. We're commanded nope worship, to worship. Yep. Spirit and truth. Um, you know, we're commanded to forgive. Yeah. Um, so to be generous, yeah. to judge rightly, not to judge harshly. But none of those we, we seem to just cast the side as... But as... with this one, because you know it has become for... Me- most people recognize, I think, that there's a lot of baptized people out there who don't know Jesus, or there are a lot of baptized people out there who are, who are hypocrites. And so they're saying... Well, well I would say... It, well, I'll keep going. Okay, I'm going to say it, not when you say there's a lot of. I would say maybe all. I mean, we all struggle. Well, there's a difference between sin and hypocrisy. Um, what I'm saying is, is there are people who recognize that, that there are lots of people out there who profess to be Christians who aren't Christians, okay, yeah. and they've been baptized. And so they say, like, well, obviously, baptism doesn't save, but we shouldn't conclude that baptism isn't important or that baptism doesn't do anything. And so we, we're saying you must be baptized. I believe you must be yeah. baptized because Christ commands it. That's right. And I think not only... Uh... I think there's another aspect to it, and I think there's maybe a shyness. Oh, for sure, that's a big reason people that's are reluctant. That's a big reason, that, you know, being you know to stand up there, and I think that's something that needs to be worked through personally. Mm-hmm. Is you know, uh, you're professing your faith to like, and here's the thing: is like you're doing it in a safe place, like doing right. it with other believers, you know. And I, I don't, for me, it's one of those things like if you're not going to be professing your faith in a safe place like that, you are, are you gonna not going to know you're not be professing your faith out, out in the world. Yeah. It's, it is a, it is a big deal. Um, and you so know, there's a boldness that comes about this. Yeah. You're, you're boldly proclaiming that I am his. Yep. I am his, he is mine. I'm following Jesus. Yeah. You know, that's what I tell our kids, right? Like, so two of our kids have been baptized, two have not. And, um, you know, when they ask about it, they say, well, you know, when, when do we get baptized? I say, well, when you're ready. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, because our kids will say, well, we, we, we believe these promises to be true. Yep. And I say, okay, then um, are, you, are, you, are you ready to stand up? And then we tie them up and we bring them forward and we make them be baptized. Right. Uh, because they're pastor's kids and they must. Yeah, they have to conform. They have they to meet mu- certain They better standards. be. They need to be the right way. Otherwise, what's going to happen to you? Like, you look bad, Joe. Let's be honest, in case anybody doesn't know. Yeah, well, like, I'm joking. There man. are zero pressures on our kids at this church to be yeah. anything other than kids. Absolutely. Um, so we. Oh yeah, uh, trust me, and they live in that freedom. They do, especially they, they like Bonger and Maymay. Yeah, Bonger and Maymay are. <laughs> <laughs> 
just Bonger is my youngest. His name is Killian Atticus. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, the, the the shyness factor is a big deal, and you've got to be patient with people, I right? Think so. You know, you, you want to force it. There's no way you can just try to. And we'll we'll that. talk about that. We'll talk about in a little bit. We'll talk about when people should be baptized. But okay, um, must all believers be baptized? Yes, Matthew yes. twenty eight, right? Yeah, um, I mean, go therefore uh, in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's right there in in the commission. Right. So we are commanded to go and to baptize as yes. churches, and then Peter says in Acts chapter two, yeah. repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So you see, there's that, that two part. There's the, the, there's the command of Jesus on leadership yep. to go, therefore, and uh, baptize. Right. And then the command here for the individual, repent and be baptized. Right. So, you know, we've already talked about, you know, what baptism is, and we've already kind of gotten into this, that it is for believers. But let's be really specific here. Mm. Um, Who is the proper candidate for baptism? Paragraph two. Paragraph two. Uh, Those who do actually profess repentance towards God, faith in, and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ are the only proper subjects of this ordinance. Okay. So the... Only proper subjects mm-hmm. are those who profess Christ, faith in Christ. Yes. Right? Repentance, faith, obedience. Um, what uh, John Bunyan would say, they must be a visible saint. Yeah. Right? Um, that's the word that he uses. Um, so this, uh, and, we, and we see this reflected in Scripture, right? Acts 2.41. So those who received his word yes. and were baptized, like th- those who received his word, they were baptized and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls to the church. Yeah. So um, the candidates for baptism are those who receive his word. Now, And those who profess faith right, in Christ. Right, right, right. So th- this, is, um, this is what we see throughout Scripture. What we see in all of the accounts in Scripture are that um, those who are baptized are those whom uh, believed, professed, uh, uh, to quote uh, Peter in Acts chapter two, those that the Lord had called to Himself. Yeah. Um, but now, go ahead. But see, now we know we have a lot of listeners. Uh, we have our Presbyterian friends. We've mm-hmm. got those that do uh, practice pedo baptism. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at the Westminster Confession; it talks about, I think, in paragraph four uh, on their chapter of baptism right. about infants being part of that. And even that that verse that you read back in Acts two thirty eight to thirty nine there. Right. Uh, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Yeah. So let's first start, you know, let me, why, why do some think infants and then why not infants? Well, and, th- and this is not a, we're not doing a, we're not going to sit here. Yeah. Yeah. We're, this is not a serious, um, we don't have an outline debate uh, form that we're going to follow in, in, uh, picking a fight with our Presbyterian brothers no. and sisters. Uh, we we're, did, not, we're not in the cage stage anymore. Yeah, and and we're we're, we're not. You know, we're just talking here. But um, I, I, the, the the general perspective among Pado Baptists, uh, among the Presbyterian and the, and the Reformed tradition, is that baptism in the New Covenant uh, it correlates very closely or um, parallels very closely, to circumcision in the Old Testament. So uh, circumcision in the Old Testament was this outward sign. It was this symbol of, of a renewed heart, and it was uh, those who were circumcised were made a part of um, the community of faith or the people of God, and um, whether or not they actually had hearts that reflected what the circumcision spoke of uh, that circumcision was always calling them to respond to the truth in that sign. And they would say that baptism is analogous to this mm-hmm. in that uh, it is this outward symbol that marks the people of God. And just like the Old Testament saints were circumcised and their children were circumcised, right. New Testament saints are baptized and their children are baptized and their children are then members of the covenant community they don't believe that baptism saves they don't believe that baptism takes away sin that's right but they believe that it points to the gospel and that they are 
supposed to uh, look to that baptism, look back to that sacrament, and trust what it preaches, trust, believe in the promise that it holds out. Yeah. So, so is that different than, I mean, is that different than like a, like a child dedication? Well, yeah. Um, I know the Presbyterians like to make fun of the Baptists for child dedication. Well, no, so I just no, want to make do. sure we're being fair yeah, in, this, yeah. in this discussion, right? Like so what we do is we do parent and child dedications here at Redeemer. Now, the, the danger here in doing so, um, if we're being honest, the danger in doing so is that we are doing something in our assembly that the New Testament does not explicitly call us to do. Exactly. Okay. So some might argue that this is a working against the regulative principle in worship, right? Which mm-hmm. means we only do those things in worship as essential elements, which is which are prescribed by the Scripture. Yeah. Um, but w- our perspective is that this is merely uh, a covenant oath that we are making, and oaths and covenants are appropriate for believers to make uh, on solemn occasions for serious matters. Mm -hmm. And what we are doing is we are saying, okay, um, here is a family who have just had a child and uh, we are not uh, bringing them to a sacrament. We are bringing them to the body and they are committing before God and their local church that they will raise that child um, in the faith and that they will get help from the body, that the body is committing to help them, That's right. and that we are willing to hold one another accountable in the raising of our children. So it's it's a commitment or um, an oath, but it is certainly not um, a, a sacrament. And this is a little bit different. I'm sorry, my phone is blowing up. I'm, you know, and cow. I wasn't making fun of you because... It's my you, wife. Well, I wasn't making fun Hang of you on. because you were, you know, actually... You were deep in thought. It was serious. All right, so she sent Give me some a, good thoughts. All right, so uh, I don't have to respond to that. So that's 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 the main. Um, I think that's that's the main argument. And then when we say, well, we don't see any examples of of infants being baptized in the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, they they sometimes point to the household yes. baptisms, and there's just a, a hand, a very small handful of those mentioned. There's the household of Lydia, the Philippian jailer, and yeah. Stephanus. Um, but in any of these. Their infants aren't mentioned. They, it just speaks of the household. And when you're looking at the Philippian jailer, I mean, even there it says that uh, they they spoke the Lord, uh, they spoke the the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. So there's yeah. a there's this preaching to everyone. It, it, to me, it, it 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 indicates that there was a there was a, a preaching, a reasoning that the response was those. The, the the response of faith was what warranted the baptism. Mm-hmm. In fact, we read it earlier, right? Um, in, uh, and, and you just alluded to it again. So Acts me, 2? Yeah, let me go back there. Uh, Acts 2. Yeah. So Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, this is big for them, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So they would say, see the promises for you and your children. Mm -hmm. So they should be baptized with you. Um, My problem with that is that, well, they're they're importing something to this because what Peter actually says is, this promise is for you, and then he says it's for your children, it's for all who are far off, and then this last statement encapsulates it all. It's everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And that calling uh, to himself, that idea of calling is effectual calling. It is is conversion, it is regeneration, and then conversion, it is uh, is faith and repentance. So we see it as um, a, a response to the gospel, a positive response of faith and repentance, is the mark is the is the validation needed for someone to be baptized it's not uh, it's 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 not for infants and i mean i think there um the, this 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 tight analogy that they're drawing between circumcision mm-hmm. and uh and baptism there's a, there's a lot of background here and it's a very tight theological argument that they're yeah. making and it gets into covenant theology yeah. which we which we embrace though we embrace a baptism a baptist version of covenant theology mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, they see this one covenant of grace working throughout uh, all of the history of redemption. And in the old covenant uh, under, under Moses, uh, these people were saved through the grace of God in Jesus Christ that was yet to come. They would mm-hmm. look forward and, and believe in that. And circumcision was what marked them and kind of gathered them together. So this, the new covenant, they say, is a part of the covenant of grace. And now it's, it's baptism. And they, they draw this strong analogy between the two. My problem is that I see far more discontinuity, not only between the, the ordinances and you know the circumcision, but also... Uh, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant itself. Mm. And we're going to have to have a a whole discussion on Old Covenant, New Covenant, because historically, uh, Baptists seem to to make a much uh, clearer distinction between Old Covenant and New Covenant than most of the the, the Pado-Covenant theologians do. Meaning that, you know, the Old Covenant... um, at least from my perspective and 1689 Federalist perspective, that the Old Covenant was not a part of the Covenant of Grace, though it did point toward the Covenant of Grace in some ways, and that you could be saved by virtue of the Covenant of Grace while under and a part of this Old Covenant because the Covenant of Grace and the New Covenant are the same thing, and the Old Covenant is different. And when you look at the book of Hebrews in particular, that distinction seems to be very, very clear. Um, so this gets into a whole other subject that we're not ready yeah, to Yeah, and so I think, I think what's into. really important, though, here is uh, for whatever side you're on, right, if, whether paedo-baptism or believer baptism, it's not as cut and dry as I think people try to make it sound like. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to—most Baptists that I know would just say, like, well, I don't see any babies being baptized in the Bible, so that's the end of it. And that's, that's a, it's a fair observation, but you need to understand yes. the Presbyterians' argument, their theological, biblical argument, because it's actually very tight. In fact, I think it's beautifully internally consistent. Yes. Now, I, I don't think it is as faithful of a perspective of the covenants or of baptism as what we find in Reformed Baptist literature, but they, um, they are working hard uh, to to understand what they're supposed to do in faithfulness to Jesus, yes. And so we're we're, we're we love our Presbyterian brothers. They love us. Uh, they think we're wrong. We think they're wrong, and we all get along. Mm-hmm. Ain't no problem. And and Baptists are willing to admit that man, we're we have much to learn exactly from our Presbyterian brothers. Most of the most of the books in my office are probably written by Presbyterians. Um, so. All that to say, we would say uh, here at Doc and Devo that the proper candidate for baptism is the person who has repented and believed the gospel. But, um, like, does that, I mean, now we just get into then, is it, they, how spontaneous of a baptism can it be? Right. When should they be baptized? Yeah. Kind of a thing. When should a believer be baptized then? If they're, if, if we're saying, you know, it's it's a believer, someone that's professed repentance and and trust and faith in Christ. Um, when should they? So you're asking, when should a person be baptized, right? Exactly, yes. I mean, when is that proper time? If someone's going to say they're a believer, when's the right time? Well, what do we see in the Bible? Let's start there. <laughs> uh, they repented and were baptized. That's pretty quick, right? In pretty fact, quick. it's so immediate that they... They talk about baptism and salvation in the same way, right? Because yeah. they happen they happen together. So then Furtick has it right with the slide. <laughs> no, they he all, doesn't have a come, slide. They all come forward. He does not and have a slide. They jump on the slide, the and, they slide go and, down, and they go down in a twirl right, and into the pool. All right, don't uh, don't ninth commandment. Okay, don't uh, don't lie. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't do that, but he does do some crazy okay, but, um, okay, stuff. Okay, but let's just say fine spontaneous baptisms. All right, well, in in the New Testament, yes. Um, People were baptized immediately, and today there are churches that do spontaneous baptisms, but the, the pro- I think the problem is that back in the first century, when you were getting baptized as a Christian, you were putting your life on the line. Okay. You were very clearly aligning yourself with King Jesus, the risen Savior, 
And in doing so, you pledged your allegiance to him above rulers, above emperors, yeah. and it could mean your life. Jesus is Lord. Right. The, 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 so today, to be baptized, it ain't no thing. Not culturally. Nobody cares. And no. it, so it, it, it's like the world. You, uh, was, yeah, you look like a weirdo, but it's not like. It's maybe, not, not even. They don't even care. It's just like a thing. Everybody gets baptized. How many not. We get people calling us sometimes. There's, hey, man, can I get my baby baptized there? I'm like, <laughs> like we're a Baptist church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that cool? Uh, no. That's <laughs> not. So, um, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I want to be baptized. I want to start my spiritual life. I'm like, well, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, like, the yeah. people are just so confused. So, because. There was a lot at stake then. Right. There was a lot at stake, and people had a very clear understanding of what it meant. Yeah. Today, there's a lot of confusion. So, I think it's important. And, and really, shortly after the New Testament period, there began to be a time of instruction, indoctrination, discipleship before a person would be baptized. Just like uh, catechism. Right. Catechizing. They, right. They would, um, in fact, one of the common practices was they would recite the Apostles' Creed yeah. before they were baptized. Well, that obviously takes some time and some instruction, some memorization. So I think it's best to... Um, <laughs> what? Sorry. I was just thinking, like, even still then, there, you know, just you're talking about there's a lot at stake. Here they are. Their catechism is, you know, reciting the Apostles' Creed and going through all this. What does it take for our people to be baptized? A, uh, I'm not talking about our people in, in Redeemer. I'm talking about just our people today. It's like you walk an aisle. You walk an aisle. Uh, you show up for a meeting. Have a couple donuts. Maybe. Maybe. It depends. It depends on the church. So I believe it's wisest to um, baptize a person uh, once they have come to understand and embrace the gospel as best as you can determine. Yeah, yeah. So there needs to be some sort of meeting between. Oh yeah. Those pro those. Uh, wishing to be baptized and the leadership and elder of the church. Right. Cause I actually, as we're talking, uh, I received a message on Twitter asking, you know, then who should be the one that's doing the baptizing. Right. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, what were we talking about? We're talking about then how House, today. Yeah. So we think there should be some time so yep. that you can properly see that a person understands and embraces the gospel and properly understands baptism. So an assessment, a training and assessment. Yeah, and now this doesn't have to take a long time. This, I mean, listen, that could be wrapped up in one meeting. It might take longer. Uh, I won't baptize a person unless I'm convinced that they know the gospel and understand yeah. what baptism is. So Well, uh, and we, I mean, we even do that. In our membership, yeah. our membership pamphlet or membership questionnaire has that with very you know clear, very clear. To us is this what is the gospel? Yeah, so I, I think it's important to have a have a have an understanding of those things. I think that's critical. Um, some people are doing spontaneous baptisms now, and we'll leave out the Fertikian uh, manipulation of people in the yeah. Auditorium. Let's let's not let's now just look at a the. A sincere, the, the best example, the best spawn. example possible, okay. the best intentions, yeah, the best way that they're going about it. So the best examples of spontaneous baptisms that I see today are um, in the midst of large services. Uh, it doesn't have to be large, but I tend to see them in large services where the gospel is preached very clearly, very yeah. earnestly. There's an appeal made for people to repent, and to believe the gospel, and to be baptized. And they will um, call them forward. People will go forward. They'll maybe go around to a side room or they'll go in the back where they then get uh, some instruction and some questions. They clarify, what do you believe? Yeah. Why do you want to be baptized? What's going to happen next? And so they, they have enough clarity to say, okay, you should be baptized. And then others, they might say, you shouldn't be baptized. Let's just wait a little bit. And then they have a follow-up procedure. So I don't think that that's unbiblical. I don't. I can't say that it's unbiblical. Well, no. Otherwise, you're saying you have a problem with scripture because yeah. scripture's example has been that. But I, I, I've, I've experienced too much, and I've seen too much uh, in our culture in our day confusion over the subject and the ability to parrot or repeat uh, phrases. Yeah. That. Um, might might make a person sound like they understand when they really don't. And I don't think a a three-minute conversation is enough for a pastor to clearly understand if this person should or shouldn't be baptized. Exactly. We need five minutes. So I think think we need a little more time. But again, I'm not going to throw my arms up and 
and poke fun at people that are doing spontaneous baptism in the mm-hmm. best possible way. Um, but I am going to have a lot of trouble with people that are manipulating audiences uh, and congregations to be baptized, but that's another subject. So then let's talk about, uh, do we want to do that? Like, all right, well, how about, what about someone that has, how do you? Wow, that? man, you were like. No, sorry, I'm trying, the question's in my head. I'm trying to formulate okay, try it. try and formulate it. Yeah, stop Focus, Danielson. Danielson. Oh, don't do that, dude. That was racist. Oh, that is. Oh, my I did, gosh. I was like, yeah, man. That came off wrong. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. It's okay. You're a half minority. I'm allowed to do it. Yeah. So I'm allowed to be racist. What if they have been a believer for a long time, but they were never baptized? Well, then right. what's the point to do it now? Yeah, we've seen that, right? People that have been, I've been a Christian for years. I've never been baptized. Like, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Exactly. What's, what's, uh, what's really at stake here? What's going on? Like, why? What's the big hubbub? I think... Bub? I think the the hubbub bub is that a we're talking about faithfulness to the commands of Jesus. Okay, obedience. All right, so obedience matters. Also, we're when, talking about a a witness. Uh, it's a witness, but it's also a means of grace. Um, and I would encourage you guys um, to to read carefully on this. That the 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 ordinances or the sacraments are a means of grace. They are instruments by which, uh, when received by faith, God sanctifies us. He's at work. He's with mm-hmm. us. And so you are missing out, not on a second blessing or some yeah. some life-changing experience that's going to put you at some higher level of Christian piety, but you are missing out on biblical experiential practices that do have an impact in your life. When you are baptized, you are obeying Christ by faith, and you are drawing near to him, and in that he is drawing near to you. Mm-hmm. I We encourage people, if you haven't been baptized for a long time, then that's okay. Let, you can be baptized now. I would say maybe, I don't know if the, I, I'm not good with numbers, but a, a number of our baptisms, maybe half, are people that have just never been baptized, but they are believers. Yeah. And maybe it's been a year, maybe it's been five years, maybe it's been 10 years. Yeah. But they've never been baptized, and they come to the conclusion that, oh, wow, I need to follow the Lord in this, and I'm, and I'm going to do it. But you know, that kind of brings up this different issue of what about, what about differing views of baptism in the same church? Mm. So like in Presbyterian circles, this is not an issue. If you're a Baptist, you can join a Presbyterian church. Um, it's... It, Presbyterians don't consider this an issue, but most Baptists do. Can a can a Presbyterian or can a, a Pado Baptist join a Baptist church? Yeah. The reason that's a question is because all Protestants agree, as far as I understand, I know Presbyterians and Baptists do. Protestants agree that to be a member of a local church, one must be baptized. Everybody agrees on that. So you're not going to be a member unless you're baptized. So we all agree on that. The Presbyterians differ on what baptism is, or at least how it looks and how it's done, yeah. how it's, to whom it's applied. So when we, um, when we say, okay, you want to join, you are, you were baptized as an infant mm-hmm. in a Presbyterian church, and now you want to join our Baptist church. Maybe they've had a change of mind theologically, or maybe they just love that church and there isn't a good Presbyterian church around for them to go to. The problem for most Reformed Baptists is that, well, okay, we all agree you have to be baptized to be a member of, of, of a local church. You have not yet been biblically baptized. You're, biblically baptized, are you talking about... Uh, as a believer. As a believer. By immersion. By immersion in water. Right, okay. so it's, Baptists don't believe generally, only a few do, Baptists don't, and Reformed Baptists don't believe that every time you go to a new church you need, you need to be baptized. But to be a member of a gospel church, you must have been or be baptized by immersion as a believer. So when a Presbyterian comes in or somebody who's been baptized as an infant, most Reformed Baptist churches are going to say, well, you have not yet been baptized. What you experienced is what it is, Um, a tradition in the Presbyterian church that has great value for you and, you know, you love those people. But because we don't see it as an actual baptism, we can't admit you unless you are properly baptized. So it's not a re-baptism. Uh, in the mind of Reformed Baptists, it is just a proper baptism. So there is some difference of opinion on this now, and there was back in the day. Uh, you know, John Bunyan was the original guy, really, that I that I'm aware of, mm-hmm. who was saying that no, you, you, baptism 
biblically is for the believer by immersion. But if you disagree with us on baptism, it shouldn't bar you from communion. It shouldn't yes. bar you from fellowshipping with us, from joining us, from sharing in the Lord's Supper with us. So he would argue that differences in water baptism should be no bar to communion. Um, but most, the vast majority of Reformed Baptists and Baptists in general would say, now you really need to be baptized before you can be a member. Yeah. So I think that there is room here if uh, no, at our church for you to be a member of Redeemer, you have to have been or be baptized by immersion as a believer, or you okay. can't be a member. That's our current, um, what what do you call it? It's our current policy. Policy, policy. bylaws, constitution. Um, but I, I, I don't think it is a sin to say our church practices yeah. believer's baptism. We do not sprinkle infants. We do not baptize infants. We do not do anything with those who do not believe. But if you have a, a, a convictional conscience issue about baptism personally that you don't want to, in your mind, be rebaptized, you can still join us. Yeah. Now, that person wouldn't be teaching, of course, not, at least not on baptism, but uh, they, they can join. Now, th- there's a lot of churches now where there is a growing number of churches that are taking that position. So they are still Baptist churches, yeah. uh, and they allow some members in, some people in who are... Who are not going to be divisive. We're not going to be, yeah. And they're, and they're definitely you know, on board, submissive to uh, you know, the, the teaching of the church, but uh, their consciences aren't going to be bound. It's a messy situation either way. Um, I, there are problems all the way around. I mean, look, if you really are theologically convinced that infant baptism is real, that these children could become a part of the covenant community, and you are joining a Baptist church, what are you going to do with your children that are then born? Yeah. You're, uh, you, how are you going to have them baptized? It's not going to happen at the Baptist church. It's just, there are problems yeah. with either view that you take. We have the practice of um, only allowing into membership those who have been properly baptized. But you said you got a tweet about something. Yeah, well, so even as we're talking about here, you're talking about baptism in the local church. But you know, you hear and you read a lot about these uh, baptisms in a sauna in the backyard, right? in someone's pool. You know, or uh, and and I'm, and I'm not trying to say it has to be inside the local church because there's a lot of churches that will do it out if they have a lake nearby yeah. or the ocean location nearby. really isn't the issue. Yeah, but what I am asking more about is then who should be presiding presiding over the baptism, right? And I think that's really the question that I had gotten. I'll go ahead and read it mm-hmm. if that's all right. We got a moment. If I can pull it up quick. If I can't pull it up quick, we I ain't reading it. No, I can't. Uh, it says this. This is Noah. What does Noah say? Noah says, I just lost it. I am so, I am a You're dummy. Here we go. Noah says this. Uh, must one be an ordained pastor to baptize someone? And one must, and one must be an ordained pastor to preside over the Lord's Supper. So we're not going to get into the Lord's Supper. That's actually going to be another podcast. Yeah, later this week. So we're just going to uh, focus on this question. Must one be an ordained pastor to baptize someone? Yeah. What well, say you, Joe Thorne? Well, I'll tell you what the 1689 says. Oh, yeah, uh, in chapter 28, paragraph 2, uh, speaking of baptism and the Lord's Supper, these holy appointments are to be administered by those only who are qualified and thereunto called according to the commission of Christ. And most Reformed Baptists would say ministers of the gospel, pastors, okay. elders, should be the ones um, administering baptism and the Lord's Supper. Okay. Now, um, I think that there always there's, there should be oversight. I yes. think wherever you do it, um, there needs to be elders present um, and overseeing. That's the key part. Yeah, there, there's elders present overseeing. But uh, but I am not opposed to someone else uh, doing the dunking. Yes. Uh, in in baptism, so long as there is a, a proper um, authority and oversight there. And understand that. So it's not like going out with your friends and you got four different people all from different churches, no leadership of the church, no, no elders, no presiding yet. Like you said, presiding right. authority and you just go do a baptism. Yeah. Cause I know we've had it here where, uh, we're like Rob, mm-hmm. uh, one of our elder candidates and, and Deacon has dunked somebody. Right. And that's part of that was because they were part of that journey. They've known the person for how many years? Yeah. He baptized, a young man that was named after me, Joseph. Yeah, and uh, and we've known him since he was a baby. Yeah, obviously. So, um, but you were part of that whole process. You were yeah. the one that that uh, or you or Pat had 
met with right. the young man. You had talked with them. You had gone through that stuff you had talked about before. Right. And so there was still that overarching authority of the church yeah. in the yeah. midst of this process. I, I think that the problem is, is you have bad examples of, of people doing baptisms uh, that are um, not connected to the church. And then you have bad examples of, well, only ministers are going to do it, where um, they don't allow for any uh, differences here. I think that, you know, for and listen, I could be wrong. We yeah. could be wrong in what we do here. Um, that's always a, a possibility. But uh, at Redeemer, we will allow um, someone to do the baptizing after we have, uh, you know, interviewed, we have a relationship with these people, uh, assessed and signed off, and then during the baptism, we are present. Yeah. But yeah, so we've had, uh, we've had a number of different people baptize uh, their children yeah. or, or whomever, their friend that they've led to the Lord. So, Joe, I have a question. Okay. All right. Paragraph three says this. The outward element to be used in this ordinance is water, wherein the party is to be baptized in the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. Right. My question is this. Yeah. This is in the 1689. Right. Okay. Why was it important? Why did they feel the need to say the outward element to be used in this ordinance is water? I mean, were people baptizing in Diet Coke? Well, like I mean, is, Diet who Coke, argues against this? Well, Diet I guess Coke what I'm trying to say didn't is, didn't exist until the be, 1960s, huh? I think. So I don't think there was Diet Coke back. All right, you know what? I don't. I, I, obviously, I made a funny. Oh, oh, you that I was. You did not make a funny. Well, I was hoping to make a funny. Okay. Apparently, it wasn't funny. But what I'm asking is this: Why would there? They felt a need to say that. Why? Like I, I don't get that. It's a good it, question. I mean, honestly, I. I mean, what I, I wanted to just say, like, well, I think they're just being clear and consistent. They're okay. trying to kind of vet well, not vet but they're they're just covering other bases like listen this is how it's supposed to work um you're supposed to be immersed in water now this outward element um of of water i don't know yes, if there was yeah. a was there was there something going on uh that's in the 17th century that i'm unaware of that's possible so maybe uh doctors jim renahan or richard barcelos or Bam. Any, anybody smart uh can let us know let us know i, 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 I don't I, know I, but i'll tell you this uh, when i was uh, when we started our first church plant Yep. I was hanging out with all these church planters, mm -hmm. and it was a group of church planters, not Acts 29. This was before I was in Acts 29. I was, Sojourn Network. No, Go no ahead. that was way before Sojourn. Um, I was hanging out with a group of church planters, and these were some of the worst church planters and pastors. Okay, that wasn't Sojourn. Yeah. I've that wasn't Sojourn. ever known. Uh, theologically, just a wreck. I mean, and I'm, I'm saying this, and as I'm inter interacting with these guys back then, it was just... I was shocked at who, at how this organization, this particular organization, was just sending people out to plant churches and to function as pastors who really didn't. I mean, like, no, who knows what they're doing when they plant the church, right? That's all. That's hard, weird yeah. stuff. But I would say most of these guys weren't even qualified to be ministers in a local church. That that was my assessment at the time. At least some of these guys. One of the guys was telling me we were talking about this very. We're talking about baptism, and he was pretty squishy on the whole thing. And squishy being like, what do you mean? Uh, not very firm. You know, I know, but like, yeah. what does that what does that mean? I guess what is it like? Everybody it, else knows what I mean when I say he. Was no, I'm, I actually I don't him. know what you mean. Are you saying like they they affirm some parts of it, but not others? What what part do they affirm? What part did they not? Or they where they just didn't care in, about it at all? In his mind, he would say, "Oh yeah, no, I believe in baptism. Got to baptize everybody." But um, he goes, "I knew a lady who was afraid of water." So oh my goodness, what? So I baptized her in the air. I said, "So you wait, you did what?" And he goes, yeah, I just, I, I took her and <laughs> did I- Did a trust fall? <laughs> I did a, it was basically a trust fall. Uh, and then I lifted her back up and that counted as her baptism. And I, I remember telling him like, no, dude, that did not count as her baptism. Now, some people might be providentially hindered. You know, they might not be able to because of something like that or- Well, they, what if they're in a wheelchair or, you know what I mean? Like, there's all kinds of things you can do, man. I'll get the people in there. But the- How but, do you, okay, never mind. Oh man, I'll get the ramp. You get a ramp and you're just going to like throw I, him in? I baptized a senior citizen with a cane who hadn't submerged her head in water in like over 30 years. Well, we all can't be Joe freaking Thorne. No, it's not about that. I'm sorry, Joe Thorne. I'll admit. Uh, well, first of all. Tell us again how we're all failing, Joe. Uh, we, are, we are all failing. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, first of all, baptizing in air ain't a thing. Stop that. No, that's that. When you say that, I'm like. That's dumb. That's dumb. Okay. But I'm, I'm willing to grant that there are uh, extreme circumstances and extenuating circumstances where you don't know what to do and you, you try to make the best decision. I mean, even so, soldiers in Iraq are being 
baptized in by immersion in water. Right. Using cranes or whatever they do in like what are those things called? I don't know. Horse trough. What? But they have horse trough, but they also like use like a bulldozer part. They use a bulldozer thing that's got the big Well, I mean, do you have bulldozers laying around like, like I'm just saying, do what you gotta do. Desert dwellers don't have bulldozers. I know, but the army does. Okay, I'm just saying. Okay, all I'm I'm saying that there is there you can are, make it happen. There are, there are hard situations where you don't know what to do, and so if somebody's like, "Man, I didn't know what to do," she's in a wheelchair, so we practice diffusion, which is pouring water. Mm-hmm. I would I'd be like, "Oh, geez, dude, that's not really baptism, at least not biblical mode." But what are you gonna do? But now if I don't you do know. a whole like bucket full of water. Got to be immersed. Well, we'll talk about that. Right. Um, so let's just say this. Um, I, I, I think there are definitely hard situations where I don't necessarily have the, the perfect answers for. But my, I tend to say if a person cannot be baptized because of providential hindrances, mm-hmm. uh, there is no sin. They, they can't All be right. baptized. So, so then you alluded to it. Then I feel like you're, you're sidestepping. You, I ain't sidestepping, son. I feel like you're hedging your bet. I'm not hedging my you, bet. You are hedging your bet. Does mode really matter, Joe? If mode mo- doesn't matter there, then does mode oh, really matter mode, with the sprinkling? I think mode paragraph matters. Paragraph four. Paragraph four. Immersion. Immersion or dipping of the person in water is necessary to the due administration of this ordinance. So if you're saying... Though it doesn't matter there. I don't say, I never said it didn't matter. Well, you're saying people are providentially hindered. It's, it's okay. If, if you if gotta somebody, do it, you gotta do it. Do you know what a providential hindrance is, Jimmy? Yes, I do. I don't okay. need you to question okay, me. Go like, ahead. I'm not, you I'm not explain gonna be to your us little, what a, I am not gonna be your, your you little. Dance theology I'm monkey. I'm not gonna dance right now. I'm not gonna be your monkey. I'm just saying, you're saying two different things. I'm not saying two different things, and I'll explain why. All right, go. A providential hindrance means that you are incapable of doing something because of the providence of God. So if a person is literally incapable of being put into a tub of water, it's, imp- it's an impossibility for whatever reason. Like, let's say, um, what if they're allergic to, uh, sure, well, you could get around that. You could get around that. Jimmy was making the giant. Don't stop it. <laughs> Jimmy was just making the giant fat guy uh, symbol. So essentially, I was looking at me. I looked at the mirror. Go. Um, but you can always go to a river or lake or something like that. Um, but like, what if somebody has some bizarre allergic to water? It does exist. Uh, allergy to water. Um, or that would be a providential hindrance. You can't put them in the water. They'll blow up or something. I don't know what happens. Um, or if somebody's in a wheelchair, is there any conceivable way to get them in water to dunk them? I don't think so. Yeah, you can carry them. Yeah. There are a few people to carry them. In our, in our baptistry? You make it happen. What do you mean? Okay, you, well, you fireman throw them up. If they were game, I would be game. I know. But that, what that's, I'm saying is, is like, but that's the if there Who's is game, if there, you know well, but not always. Sometimes there are, there could be providential hindrances. All right, I can understand and, the allergic to water. Okay, but where there is a true providential hindrance, I don't. I would just say then you don't get baptized, and the Lord's okay. You're okay because it's not it's not the act of baptism that saves you. Right. Of course. Yeah. But I do think that mode does matter. 1689 believes that mode matters. And, um, but what I th- listen, here's the thing this is what I don't understand. I don't understand why, in the Reformed tradition, we get all serious about the regulative principle when it comes to worship. We're only going to do what's prescribed. We get very, very serious about that. But then when it comes to the mode of baptism, yeah. ain't nobody care. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Because we're dumb. I, I don't say no, no, no. But like, it's like you know. And I, I agree again, with you. I I'm not. I'm not picking answer. a fight. I'm just saying. Like, uh, I, I do. I do find it odd that my Presbyterian brothers um, are can be very tight. Not all of them. Some of them are more loose, but it can be very tight on the regulative principle. But when it comes to the mode of baptism, they say it doesn't matter. Now, here's the thing. John Calvin, I mean, that, that would be John's view. The mode doesn't really matter. But even Calvin would say, oh, that was the practice and the habit of yep. the early church. And don't make me look it up, guys. You can Google it, right? It's book four of his institutes. So don't be like, hey, you can't just throw that out with not citation. You can Google it. All right, fine. It's in book four. Um, just Google Calvin immersion. You'll find it. Uh, so even Calvin would say, no, no, no. This was definitely the practice of the early church. This is what they did. It was immersion. I think it matters. I think it matters because of what it pictures. I think it was intended to depict something which you alluded to earlier, our baptism, our burial with Christ, and our resurrection or our rising mm. up in a new life. So I, I, I think mode matters. Uh, I think the, who, the, who the candidates matter. I think all of this matters. 
I don't think it should bar us from having fellowship and working with other churches and traditions who differ on these issues. But this is one of the reasons why we have different denominations. Yeah. We have Baptists and Presbyterians because we differ on covenant theology and baptism or the ordinances or church polity. And that's okay because we can still have greater unity, uh, more important unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what needs to come first. But that doesn't mean that we don't care about these other issues, which may be secondary to the most important issues. And I had some pushback reasons. Some guy was like, man, you guys were talking about Christmas on the Lord's Day. Talk about arguing over something that doesn't matter. I'm like, well, look, look, let's just focus on Jesus. Look, man, um, here's the thing. It matters. It, it's Absolutely. all important. Now, not everything is as important as another but these things do matter. What we do on the Lord's Day is important. What we do as a church is important. And so uh, Jimmy and I like to talk. We talk about it, and we argue about everything. We argue all, about— all the time. What, what were we arguing about today? What time you should work out. Uh, Jimmy, yeah, that's not, that's Jimmy not should favorite. not be working out early in the morning because that's when I want to hang out with Jimmy. Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry, Joe Thorne. Yeah. I'm so sorry I don't revolve my schedule when I'm having breakfast with my family. I don't care about not that. with my family. Don't care about that. That's fine. Okay, but I do that, and yep. then I go work out. Uh, that, 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 and then I come see you. Me? Is it family? It's God, family, JoJo. Work out. No, that should be the priority. Part of me is All right. working out is for my family. I want to be there. Come on, dude. I'm what, oh, you ain't, you ain't gonna. I'm gonna make it till 38 if I ain't. Oh, you ain't. You I'm, ain't gonna. I'm it. one Twinkie away from a heart attack, oh, and I'm one ham roast away from one of them scooters going around town. Mm, ham. I see. Oh, it's worth it though. Uh, for ham. Beef shack. Yeah, you, Jimmy wants beef shack. <laughs> All right. Listen. In the end, here, um, what's the big deal about baptism? Why? Why? Why do we have to talk about it? Well, I mean, one, you mentioned at the beginning, there's just not the education of it. There's misunderstandings, misconceptions. There are differing views. And I think it's okay that we have, especially I think with Baptist and Presbyterian, at least for a lot of our, our people, they've thought about it. And that's great. But there's a lot of people that haven't thought about it. Right. And I think, you know, there are some resources out there. There's some articles out there. There's some books out there. Uh, and hopefully this podcast could be of some help yeah encouragement encouragement so if you I haven't think, been baptized we want you to get baptized yeah you know and we want you to think about it and i so for me i think part of it is it's it's just it's obedience it's it's a it's a proclamation of our of it's a witness it's a it's a cry that jesus is mine and i am his right, i feel like right. there's there's so much tied up into baptism it's not just this empty ritual I think it's it's something that's good for us, and I think it's good for the church. I think it's, there's something there. There's an excitement as we see believers, and I think that's why I love when it happens oh in man. the church. Oh, everybody goes crazy when people exactly. are getting baptized. And I think they there's something it. there, like we're committed to Christ, but then the church is also committed to us. Yeah, The church is saying, we will walk alongside you. We will love you. We will pray for you. We will we will confront you. Yeah, We will challenge you, and we will help you through the process of sanctification will help you as you walk along this path, right? Yeah. Like there's so much wrapped up into baptism, such a beautiful picture, such as beautiful, as you said, means of grace. Right. And it, listen, you can't read the new Testament and conclude eh, baptism ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Because baptism like is death for it's some one of the most important points in a person's life. They look at that and they go, that was when I was set apart for Christ. And listen, if you go, if you go pedo baptism or if you are pedo baptism, in the end, I'm, you know what? I'm cool. Like, you know, study it, read it, know it, but know have your why. conviction, know why. And like some of my favorite people, favorite authors, and some of my dearest friends are pedo baptists. And you know what? We don't sit around and argue about uh, baptism. Sometimes we talk about it, but we don't. Uh, we tend to argue about which cigars are better. Because um, that's a little, it's a little more subjective. Um, but what I would say is, um, take baptism seriously, and um, and and go go deep on it. Make make the most of your theology. And if you haven't been baptized, yeah, we implore you follow Jesus and be baptized. Jimmy, what do you got? You're holding something in your hand. What do you? Yeah, got? I think a resource. I think uh, people should pick up is Believer's Baptism: Sign of the New Covenant in Christ. Uh, this is edited by Thomas Schreiner and Sean D. Wright. Uh, so go ahead and grab this. Don't be put off uh, by on the back here. Uh, one of the endorsements is Wayne. You know, no, no way, Wayne. Don't be put off by that. 
still, <laughs> it is still a great resource. It's got uh, lots of differing kind of uh, views and just trying to lots of authors just trying to kind of put some things together. So grab it. Believer's Baptism Sign of the New Covenant in Christ by cool. B&H. And don't be put off by uh, many typos that they have. No, I haven't seen typos in that one, but man, really? B&H publisher. B&H bad. You got, listen, hey, hey, B&H, what's up with all those typos? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and if you would so like and desire, you can sponsor the podcast. They, um, they might want to have people who aren't visually impaired. Uh, editing, Stop it. They might want to sponsor their, their thing. All right. Um, we're going to recommend a bunch of books on baptism. We're even going to throw in uh, Presbyterian yeah. uh, uh, treatments as well. And uh, we love our Presbyterian brothers. We, we just disagree oh, yeah. on this. So just know, hey, man, we're just talking here. We're just chatting. That doesn't mean that you can't be angry with us or disagree with us. I'm not copping out on that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you can disagree. So if you have any disagreements, what we'd like you to do is send us a message. Go over to our website, doctrineanddevotion.com. Click the Contact Us page and let the venting begin. It's mm. totally fine. It's totally cool. We're ready for it. Uh, but what we would really like you to do is follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo. We always appreciate an honest five-star review on iTunes. But here's the thing. Big stuff is happening this year. Ooh. We need you to sign up for our mailing list. Yes. You want the Don't goods? Don't miss out. You want the goods? Don't you miss want, out. You see those blog posts that are dropping now? Mm. We've got blog posts dropping. We're going to have resources dropping. You need to go. And we're going to have stuff that's just for our email subscribers. Right, yeah. So you're not going to get it if you're not an email subscriber. So head on over to our website, doctrineanddevotion.com. Click the sign-up page and sign up for all things D and D. Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. Big thanks to Justin Bond of J Bond Media. I feel like I did all this at the beginning. Yeah. And so I think I'm just going to say later. Later.